by the time I got home from school, it's like, hey, can you throw on this chicken? You know what I'm saying? I think that was the first thing that day. You take the chicken out the fridge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you scramble like, oh shoot. Did you hear you hear him pull up like dang, I didn't take it out. So you try to throw it in some water real quick. Hey everyone, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. My guest today is Will Walker. Will is pride for his home state of Ohio and acknowledges what he loves about Baltimore and its people is their fierce pride for Charm City. He moved to Baltimore to attend college and well, he hasn't left since. We'll talk about how he displayed a mind for science at a young age and what working as an industrial engineer for a defense contractor is like, his love of cooking and mentoring the youth. Stay tuned. Before the weather started to act like it was actually fall, I managed to get in one more interview at Druid Lake Park. The sun warmed my body, but a breeze made me zip my hoodie up to my neck and pull the drawstring on my joggers a little bit tighter. Will's ensemble was equally about comfort, joggers, and a track jacket with a pink snapback that added a splash of color. We sat on the concrete ledge on the far side of the park with a view of the JFX. If I took one thing away from this interview, it was Will's passion for life. Everything he does is intentional and done with feeling, even answering a simple question like, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Will. Is, all, is, is this the official start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, my name is uh, Will Walker, nine to five. I'm an engineer in the defense industry. On the side, I like to cook as a, and, and take time as a personal chef, uh, do catering and things like that. In addition to being the host of Creative Mornings, which is the once a month uh, talk series, in addition to that, uh, I run a STEM nonprofit group over at uh, or an organization over at Mount Royal Elementary. So I, guess, I think that's a, a brief overview of it. <laughs> he also laughs a lot. Maybe he does it when he's nervous, but I doubt it. He seems genuinely excited about life. Will's lived in Baltimore for 17 years. Oh, this is home. I officially have lived more than half of my life here. So <laughs> I just turned 35 a couple weeks ago. So I've officially been here more than half of my life. So this home. Growing up in Ohio wasn't as hard for Will as it was on the region itself. Like Baltimore, Cleveland was a predominantly blue-collar town where factory and manufacturing jobs could offer someone a taste of the American dream. With globalization, the death of industry, and the continual fading of the middle class, Baltimore has fared slightly better than its Rust Belt counterpart has. But let's get back to Will growing up in Cleveland. It wasn't a glamorous place to, to live and grow up, but it was, it was still good foundation-wise because all you had was your your family, your friends, definitely my mom and dad, my uncles, aunts. You know, they just made sure that I was brought up in the right manners and had me uh, understanding what's valuable in life. So, um, you know, I definitely love and appreciate Cleveland. The foundation Will's parents provided allowed him to show his talent for science at an early age. Will admits it's a bit cliche, but... Taking apart radios in the house and stuff like that, and my mom, you know... Uh, mom, if you're listening, <laughs> I ain't mean to throw you on the spot right now, but you know, just getting in trouble, getting a whooping for things like that. And like one of the big things I think was that they tried to cultivate and push me in that area as well. Will said he originally wanted to be a teacher. His parents thought it was nice, but they wanted him to make money. As Will got older, his parents put him in summer engineering programs to continue cultivating his mind, though he admits they also did it probably just to get him out the house. Will's mom worked in medical billing, and his dad was a career police officer. I asked him if it was difficult being the son of a cop. Uh, no, no, not at all. Um, the police, police industry back then and now are two totally different arenas because I remember you couldn't be a police officer in the city of Cleveland without living there for at least 
three or four years in in the actual world not that you grew up there lived there and moved away and okay well you have a familiarity with the area so we'll still let you be like your first at least your first five years you actually had to live in that community like when they talk about community policing I, 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 I remember what that meant. Community policing meant Will's father knew a lot of the guys he had run-ins with. My dad knew them well because he went to high school with them, played football with them, played basketball with them. It was, it was cool and I think it was that appreciation of, I grew up with you, I know you, I know you're not a bad person, you're doing what you gotta do to survive. I'm, I'm, I can look the other way in certain instances because I understand the plight of what you're going through. So. My dad definitely had that understanding of a lot of things. I remember he literally had a story of one day, him and his partner was getting off work. They got a call from uh, KFC. <laughs> Cause somebody tried to steal something out of KFC or whatever, right? It was uh, somebody that he wasn't, he wasn't cool with him, but he, he knew him from around the neighborhood. And he's like, look, we're not gonna take you in today. And I know you're stuck, I know what you're going through. Just make sure that we don't catch you in here doing anything like this ever again. Like I say, I, it, it was cool because all of those people that you, like I say again, you you had that you say have questionable characters or things like that. I knew them again from just growing up around them and my dad knowing them. Will never worried about being the son of a cop, but Will's dad was worried about him. Even though community policing allowed Will's dad to understand where the criminals were coming from mentally, he still didn't want to get that call only to apprehend his own son. Of course, you get the personal stories of like, look, I arrested a kid today that's your age. I don't want you to turn out that way. This is why I'm being hard on you. So, yeah, you can't stay out late or this time of night because I know what happens out there and just how some of the other cops may think and things of that nature. You know, sometimes we sit back and take our male relationships for granted, you know, whether it be our fathers, grandfathers, uncles, whatever it may be. And I probably was just taking like, oh, whatever, dad, you tripping, whatever. Ain't nothing like that gonna happen to me. But, you know, later in life, I can sit back and look, you know, that was a, my dad being concerned and being able to have that inside look and scoop, um, you know, to be able to appreciate, you know, him being a cop and just looking after, trying to look after his son. With him being a cop and just telling you about the perils of life and trying to keep you out of trouble, did he ever have to have the talk with you, like as a cop, say, "Listen, like you, like you know that I'm a cop. I know that I'm a cop. We both know that I'm a good guy. But when you're driving and you get pulled over, like it's gonna be different. Or like if you with the police, like it's gonna be different for you. Did he ever have to have that talk with you? I don't. I don't. I don't. I won't say it came at like an age you thought it would. I think it was all. I think he always tried to make me self-aware of being black growing up in America. So I don't think it was ever, hey, son, you're a black man. You got to watch out for, for cops and what they might do. Self-awareness for black people is different from everyone else. We learned very early on that we're black first and a person second. Will's father made sure that delineation was clear in his son's mind. When I was younger, like he had me at the, the Muslim bookstore reading Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey. I won't say per se we had that that talk in specific, like you got to watch yourself when this happens and this is how you should behave. It was just taught to me like, hey, man, read these books. You know, we're going to read these books and this is just going to tell you about life as growing up as a black man in America. And the conversation just kind of came organically through that type of stuff. It wasn't really like, hey, you're 16, you're driving now. Let me sit down and talk to you. It just hey, you you nine years old, this is the reality of being black. <laughs> Will's father gave him life lessons about blackness in the bookstore and the mosque, though Will wasn't too sold on his approach. Is, is your dad Muslim? Yeah, yeah. He, I don't I don't like to get into the whole technicality of it, but he says he is. I, But 
And you're just like, okay. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) On top of that, Will spent most of his school years in Catholic school, and the reading material didn't exactly line up with what his father had exposed him to and made self-awareness that much harder. Reading these books from the, you know, the Muslim bookstores about Malcolm X, Marcus Garvey again, going to see Louis Farrakhan when he would come to the area, going to the mosque with my dad, but also this white Christianity being shoved down my throat every single day um, and while I'm at school. And it was like, it was, it was a tug. It was like confusing of like, but they say this at school and, you know, like growing up, you're taught to listen to your parents, taught to listen to your teachers and like who, who's really right when you're still impressionable. As Will finished high school, he sat down with a college advisor. He knew science was in his future, and thanks to Dad's teachings and a popular TV show, he had an idea of where he wanted to go for college. A different world probably drove me to go to Morgan State. I think most, a lot of black kids that came up uh, in the 80s and 90s can say that seeing a different world on TV attributed them to, to attending Morgan State, and I was like, okay, is this everything that I'm I'm I'm, I'm hoping is really going to be when I get once I get here? Took a visit down to Morgan for their uh, pre-college or whatever it was, visit day, and uh, went into a lab for the industrial engineering program, and it was like a simulation on there. Actually, the program is called Arena. I still remember because it gave me nightmares while I was actually in school. When I saw it on the screen, I was like, oh, this looks like a video game. And you know, most teenage boys in the video games, like, you know, it piqued my interest right away. So I was like, man, is this, are these the type of things that, you know, you get to do as an industrial engineer? And I think that was, that's what, that's what had me. That's what really sold me on um, making a decision to be an engineer. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I continue my conversation with Will Walker. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Hey everyone, I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Before the break, my guest Will Walker just finished a pre-college visit to Morgan State University. He saw what it was industrial engineers do and the software they work with, and he fell in love. Will packed his bags and in the fall of 2000 started his freshman year at Morgan. Traveling is an experience like no other. You get to see new people, taste new foods, and experience different cultures. Growing up in Ohio, you're so used to just saying what's up to everybody, giving somebody a head nod, and people just being, like, receptive. Um, once I got here to Baltimore, that was one of the first things that shocked me. Like, people looking at me like, fuck you looking at me? Why? You know what I'm saying? Like, why you nodding your head at me, bro? Like, what's up? I'm like, I ain't got no problem just saying what's up. Will was shocked at the gruff nature of East Coast cities. He said the lack of that, hey, how you doing culture was present in New York and Philadelphia, as well as Baltimore. However, he acknowledges underneath our hard shell is a city that is fiercely loyal and prideful. It's so much pride in folks, like when they grow up here in Baltimore that, I, that I've noticed and seen, like, man, they will rep the Maryland flag all day, every day. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'm always going to rep my neighborhood or where I came from. The culture here is like, you can you can totally tell it, man. It's like, and it's so much pride in it. That's, that's one of the things I definitely can appreciate. The appreciation for culture didn't stop in Charm City. I, I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I went to Morgan State, as we say. Uh, but uh, it was a it was an awesome experience, man. I, I don't I don't regret it at all. Once I touched down at Morgan, man, it was like it was eye opening, is because you met so many different Black people, you know. But not just from Baltimore, New York, Philly. Like you were meeting people from you know down in the rural South. You know, grew up on farms and things of that nature. Um, and a lot, you know, kids from Trinidad, you know, Jamaica. So you meeting folks from different countries, uh, you know, over in uh, a lot of kids from Nigeria uh, were in the engineering program. Of course they were. 
Will also admits his time at Morgan debunked some stereotypes he held about blacks from the American South. I just had the stereotype of like, uh, you flip cows or stuff like that. But to be able to meet some of these kids that were from um, down in North Carolina, uh, growing up in those rural areas and, you know, getting to see their experience and realize that they're intelligent too. And what you see on TV about black people in the South, that they not, they not dumb as bricks, you know what I'm saying? Like, Fun fact. Though pop culture and history characterized Southerners as laid back to the point of lazy, they were actually suffering from a hookworm epidemic. They had pernicious anemia with tiredness and lethargy as hallmark symptoms. Back to Will and his HBCU experience. You were encouraged to do things and try things, and you had people that had your back and wanted to make sure you succeed. That's not just the teachers and professors, that's the staff that was there, you know, your, your roommates, um, you know, you just had a lot of people that was in your corner that wanted to see you succeed. And uh, this just wanted the best for you, man. And it just gave a whole vibe and another pride to, again, being black, man, you know. At Morgan, Will found camaraderie, culture, and everything else college offers a student willing to learn about the world and about themselves. Will learned so much at Morgan, he had an internship before he even graduated. I technically had an internship at uh, Middle River Aircraft out in Essex that I did for like the tail end of my matriculation through Morgan. Uh, Morgan. Uh, so like my junior, senior year, I uh, was doing an internship there, graduated and continued to work there full time. Will stayed at Middle River Aircraft and it wasn't long before he found himself roaming the halls of Morgan once again. One of my advisors, he was like, hey, man, I know you've been trying to work. You have been trying to work with me for a while. I finally have something. Um, he's like, would you mind coming back? Would you be interested in coming back to uh, do grad school? I was like, of course. <laughs> That's a no brainer. I'm like, you go pay for it and give me money to do it. No brainer. Sign me up. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I continue my conversation with Will Walker. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Be right back. Hey, this is Local Color. I'm Jason V. If you're just joining us, my guest is Will Walker. Before the break, Will talked about growing up in Cleveland, being the son of a career police officer, and attending Morgan State University for his engineering degree. Will worked at Middle River Aircraft through the last two years of college, transitioning to full-time work once he graduated. An advisor from undergrad gave Will the opportunity to further his education. As we pick up Will's story, he had just enrolled in graduate school at Morgan. As soon as I finished up, a couple few years later, I uh, started working at Northrop Grumman, man, and uh, that's pretty much where I've been since. Along with Lockheed Martin and Boeing, Northrop Grumman has propped up the Mid-Atlantic's defense and aerospace industry for years. Will started for Northrop as an industrial engineer and explains what he does for a living. My thing as an industrial engineer, I would sit in the, uh, on the manufacturing floor, see what people did that they were, uh, whatever they were doing that was inefficient, and figure out how to streamline that that process. Whether it was a paperwork issue that was holding things up, whether it was uh, they needed screws, nuts, and bolts, uh, but they were walking all the way across the manufacturing floor to get that stuff when they needed to have it sitting right there in their work cell. So for an industrial engineer, like, do you ever build stuff? Is that like a Uh, lot of math involved? uh, Definitely. Ah man, I, I'm I'm dying now because there's nothing but math in my job right now. So the bit I can tell you, uh, I look at right now. I look at proposals for uh, programs and making sure that they are pretty much saying that what they what they what they plan to spend on a job. I'm making sure that hey, this is what they said they're going to do. This is what we can really do. 
Um, so I'll take, I'll take a look at the hours that are going to be involved. Um, but there's so much math involved. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of earn value, but it's like it's a nightmare. But it's uh, it's for a company to say whether they're actually building on track to uh, what they said they will for a program. So are they overspending or are they underspending? Are they running over on time with their schedule or underrunning? So are they going to build it quicker than they expected to? Uh, but is it going to cost them too much money to build it in this time frame? So those are the type of things that I have to look at. When you when you first talking about what it is you do as an industrial engineer, you were saying from what you could tell me, which makes me believe that there's stuff that you can't tell me about your job. Yeah, it, it's just the industry. So folks have clearances and like I say most of the stuff I can talk about but there are some jobs that I get on that can't can't you can't leave the room now, do you have a, do you have a clearance? yeah yeah what was that process like <laughs> man you know for me for you as a person getting cleared there's things that you worry about like did I do any drugs or are they gonna <laughs> ask me any questions about um, you know did I smoke marijuana or things like that um, but ultimately, it's, it's not as stressful as, as people may think. The biggest thing is honestly trying to remember who did you know 10 years ago or remembering a, an address from 10 years ago when you got to fill out all the paperwork and uh, then approaching those people say, hey, um, can I send somebody that's going to want to come talk to you and ask you all these questions about me and uh, just hoping that they're with it and hopefully that, hoping that they don't say anything too embarrassing about you. So it's not as stressful as people think it is, and but depending on the different levels. So there are levels where they got to get the, the polygraph and things like that. So that's definitely more in line with where they ask questions about your drug use and things like that. So if somebody if somebody did have like a history of drug uses because they still get a clearance? I'm, I'm, I'm just only asking for a friend. They can. The biggest thing I think uh, from what I've from what I've found out is that they just want to hear you tell, state the truth. You know, like, hey, yes, I did smoke marijuana this many times, <laughs> you know, but it was at this year or whatever, you know. It's, it's, I think they just want to make sure that it's not something that you do regularly. If you did do it, will you at least be upfront and truthful about it and not try to hide it? The public and private job sectors have opportunities galore for those with top secret clearances. I asked Will what it was like working for one of the largest defense contractors in the world. I, I enjoy it because it's got a cool work-life balance. Um, I have the ability to work from home when need to. Um, we get we get every other Friday off. I've seen a lot of cool things in regards to the defense industries, being able to see a lot of uh, the planes and platforms that we've been on. Uh, I actually used to be in a small business role at, uh, at Northrop when I worked in supply chain. And I actually got to go to a conference where I got to sit in uh, the, 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 the cockpit of uh, Black Hawk. So, you know, it's, 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 it was really cool. Like it has those type of perks, but I can say me personally right now, I really want to transition out of working in the defense industry. Just being honest, the, uh, um, how do I put it? The correct words are quote, ongoing political climate. Couple that with the general mission of defense contractors, and Will was at an impasse. Some things I, I, I guess I say I personally wrestle with now of just saying, you know, our footprint across the globe and our strong arm tactics to a degree. Uh, if I'm trying to be politically <laughs> correct, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough for me and I, I don't think I want to continue in the industry. But, you know, like I like my company. I really like what I do, but it's time for me to look for another opportunity, you know. Will's found other opportunities for happiness and fulfillment, though none of them pay as well as Northrop. 
At least, not yet. We're going to take another break, and when we come back, Will talks about his passion for cooking, mentoring, and heading up Creative Mornings Baltimore. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back to Local Color. I'm Jason V. After my guest Will Walker received his graduate degree from Morgan State, he landed a job at one of the largest defense contractors around, Northrop Grumman. But as the years have gone by and the mission of contractors has changed, Will felt like his life's mission didn't line up with his work. There's no disputing that he loves his job, just not the way he loves, say, cooking? Uh, how did you get into cooking and, and all that stuff? Uh, man, uh, mom, my mom just always had me cooking since I was young, man. I think <laughs> I think most people, like, that's usually some of the, some people's story, like, you know, just kind of grew up uh, cooking over the years. My mom, uh, my grandmother, she was always whipping up something. But, um, you know, definitely my mom, her and my dad, both being parents that were out and working, uh, by the time I got home from school, it was like, hey, can you throw on this chicken? You know what I'm saying? I think that was the first thing that day. You take the chicken out the fridge. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you scramble like, oh, shoot. Did you hear you hear him pull up like, dang, I didn't take it out. So you try to throw it in some water real quick. Um, but, you know, just over the years, that was kind of how I got to start. Eventually, Will's mom trusted him enough to make Thanksgiving dinner. Every family knows a lot rides on Thanksgiving dinner, and Will must have succeeded because he's still alive. Going to an out-of-state school also forced Will to cook or starve. Once I moved off campus, you know, I had to figure out how to cook for myself and everything. Uh, you know, real meals and not just hot dogs and hamburgers and, you know, stuff like that. Starving may be a bit hyperbolic, but nothing's worse than crossing your fingers at the dining hall praying your card has money left on it. Will fell in love with cooking, and in the summer of 2016, a friend approached him with a big opportunity. She was doing a business dinner talk with a, with a handful of folks and asked me to cater it for, you know, cook for it or whatever. So that was kind of like the start. And then after that, I did the, um, I did the brazen, a brazen Sunday over at Dovecote. And after that, I just been getting gigs like left and right for brunches, um, different events here and there, um, you know, providing Thanksgiving uh, sweet potato pies for people for Thanksgiving and stuff like that and kind of took off and, you know, coming back full circle just in uh, September, I, I actually had the opportunity to do another chef takeover there at Dovecote. So this is where it was like, all right, you got to come up with the menu, you know, the folks will pay, you set your price, you know, and things like that. So. I did a uh, Tribe Call Quest theme uh, dinner, and it was like I was super, super, super humbled, man. Of like, you know, people really came out for something that I had my name on, and it wasn't. I, people were requesting me to do something like that. So, uh, so yeah, it was it was definitely super humbling, man, and I, I enjoyed it and definitely want to continue to see how I can pursue that passion. And Success gives us the confidence we need to continue on our journey. Will's string of successes in the cooking arena have inspired him to start his own food company. I call it an all aboard, a culinary journey. I don't have the education. There's a lot of folks that have had the opportunity to go to you know, culinary school. Um, so a lot of it's self-taught, watching Food Network, cooking channel, seeing recipes, and you know, just trying to whip it up and take it from there. As a self-taught chef, Will may not have formal training, but his heart's in the right place. His heart also has a place for the next generation and mentoring young minds. We meet uh, once every other week at uh, Mount Royal Elementary. So I, myself, and another co-worker, her name, uh, her name is Leah Ford. Uh, we were asked to take it over from another young lady. She ended up getting pregnant. She's like, I just don't have the time. Um, it was actually under the Nesby program, National Society of Black Engineers. Um, but we really weren't getting the funding that we needed. So it was like, hey, look, if we really want to raise money and do things, like we just going to do it ourselves. And uh, 
cre uh, created the organization. It's called Be More Hopeful. Uh, be, well, Be More Hopeful Enrichment Program. Um, and just trying to sh shed uh, the, the, the joys of the STEM realm with the, with the students. In each class, Will and Leah lead students in engineering projects that are based off real-world issues. Every time, Will is impressed and humbled by the tenacity of young minds. They think on so much uh, a creative level than you have as folks that are engineers that have been in the business for years. I think one thing, they're definitely not afraid to fail. They'll try it out. You can see how teamwork is uh, so effective with young adults and that they are... Uh, they, they know how to feed off of each other where some of us as adults, we can get so stuck in our frame of mind and this is right, this is the right way to do it versus, well, no, let's try it and if it doesn't work, we can go back to the drawing board. It's an awesome, awesome program as well. Uh, the kids, they can get on your nerves, but you know, it's probably one of the best, best hours out of the week for me when, I, when I'm spending time with those students. Have you been listening? Do you hear how jam-packed Will's schedule is? From nine to five, he's an industrial engineer using formulas and earn value to make the workplace run efficiently. When he's not creating better systems for workers, he's in the kitchen whipping up tasty food and scheduling his next catering event or chef showcase. When he's not wearing his food-stained apron, he's at Mount Royal Elementary molding tomorrow's leaders with Be More Hopeful. And when he isn't teaching the youth with wisdom, he hosts a monthly breakfast lecture series. Creative mornings, uh, as I tell a lot of folks, I say it's like a, a TED talk for uh, individuals in a creative space. Um, it's a global platform where there's, I think, over 170 chapters across the globe. Trees and Toting Company, I, when I was at the time being, I was uh, working with them doing the social media and um, and, uh, and events. That was my first exposure when Jason and Aaron were uh, guest speakers there. And then after that, kind of just met the folks in the team from the Creative Morning family at the time being. I think Kate, yeah, Katie Boyce was still the host. Um, and eventually transitioned to Olivia. Um, and she asked me to join the actual uh, team as a uh, not nonprofit coordinator, but um, fundraising coordinator uh, because she knew about my nonprofit. I was like, okay, it's, it's something, it, it was for me, it was like, I figured that since I have a nonprofit and I need to learn how to raise funds, I figure why not join this organization to help get that skill set. Eventually, Olivia transitioned to um, Chicago for a few opportunities and she was like, hey, would you be interested in taking over? I was like, Sure. <laughs> I was kind of nervous about it at first because I was like, you know, I ultimately I call myself like a social introvert. I'm really I, I feel like I'm real introverted, real internal. Um, it's hard for me to be in folks faces smiling and Yo, cheesing. The podcast so somebody else can talk. Right. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, it, it was one of those things for me. Um, I thought that it would be helpful for me to kind of get over those fears of um I won't say public speaking because I'm, I'm good at public speaking if I have the presentation ready and I practice. I'm, I'm, I'm good at that. But, you know, being able to go off the cuff and being in front of the crowd and just overcoming some of those social fears that, you know, you just never, you know, that just have in there. You never know what's in the back of folks mind. Uh, you know, how do they think of me? How do they view me and things like that? So I felt that it would be cool for me to to help me get over that that hump of, you know, just being up in front of folks and being more open to showing people me. Will's used Creative Mornings to get better at improvising in front of a large audience. Creative Mornings has also taught Will that it's not about me. <laughs> you know, it's really about whatever the topic is for that month. And uh, 
the people that we choose to be the speakers of the month and them delivering the story because you get a different crowd every month and they're really here to see uh, that th those speakers. Even as the host of the series, Will finds himself being inspired by guests and their messages. Joy Postel and Al Rogers come through to talk about compassion. They did an amazing job. Uh, they, they touched on things that was personal to me and it's just I'm like oh man they are on my street today you know what I'm saying <laughs> and, and, and that's one of the, the things I think I really enjoy from Creative Mornings is that you know you get such a motiv motivating uh, talk from, from individuals that open your eyes and you know give you some energy to to one get through the rest of that Friday that you got to do when you still got to go back to work um, but still just kind of opens up your eyes to a lot of things and whether it's things that the speaker are experiencing themselves um, or or just kind of like oh yeah i i never looked at things like that maybe i should start looking at things like that so i honestly i honestly don't get it will must have an extra hour or two in the day i don't know how he does it as with most of my guests i asked will what his future plans were what do you got cooking next uh literally cooking <laughs> um <laughs> um so like i said after uh i guess what i could deem a success of the uh chef takeover over at dovecoat i'm actually looking to expand i don't want to say it'll be a, a rap or hip-hop uh theme experience when it comes to the food but uh trying to do uh more experiential events when it comes to um cooking man so i've been speaking to a few folks uh Hopefully I can get some things working with the young ladies over at Cedar and Cotton. Um, I've been speaking to uh, the folks over at Tectonic Space about possibly doing um, dinner party there as well. So um, I just want to, I really want to experience doing my own events uh, when it comes to cooking and just seeing where I can go with that. And again, developing my, uh, my cooking brand. So like I said, again, it's uh, all aboard um, culinary journey. I've been uh, creating cutting boards. Um, want to look into uh, I've started making a few aprons uh, making some napkins and things like that um, so if I can turn it to the black Bobby Flay man you know mm -hmm. uh, I think that's where I really want to go with it um, so but yeah I think that's that's what's mainly on the horizon for me and then just whatever else comes my way you know if it makes sense and I feel like I have a passion for it want to try it out and do it and you know take it from there you know <laughs> if you want to get in contact with Will uh, www.walker jr at gmail.com um, I'm on social media uh, as at water the letter N oxygen w-a-t-e-r the letter N o-x-y-g-e-n um, yeah that's pretty it that's pretty much it for the most part man and with developing the brand man that's one of the big things I'm trying to work on is getting the website up and having the all aboard uh, uh, email but you know that's still to come but uh, those are the main places that people can find me right now Before we say goodbye, Will has a message for anybody listening. With uh, with Joy's uh, talk, uh, with Joy and Al's talk on compassion, it's just, you know, being able to be comfortable with who we are in life and where we are in life, love ourselves, and just remember that, you know, everything is a process and it just takes well, one day at a time, you know. Don't be so uh, caught up in where you are with what's happening right now, whether it's good or bad, because, you know, there's something that's going to happen down the road in the future and it could be, you know, it'll, it'll turn the tables for you, turn it in a positive manner or turn it in a negative manner. And you just got to have have foresight and vision to just weather it or embrace it and enjoy it and, and just con continue to push forward. So 
today's episode of Local Color was written, produced, narrated, edited, and published by me, Jason V. Follow Local Color on Instagram at Local Color Podcast. You can also like Local Color on Facebook. Head to Local Color's website, localcolorpodcast.com, where you can listen to the entire catalog. Also, please subscribe to Local Color on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating and a review if you can. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color. 